Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, which is a tale of spiritual awakening, spiritual healing, spiritual communication, and a guide to intuition and to functioning better in today's society. Today, I am delighted to welcome a fellow traveler on the journey of love and respect for life and knowing the truth of our soul being. Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, author of Heaven is for Healing, A Soul's Journey After Suicide. Hello, Joe, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within. Hi, Cheryl. I hope you're doing well today. Thank you. Joe, as listeners of this show well know, my guests and I share intimate experiences that have often led us past the early beliefs or training of our physical world to explore the true nature of man and spirit and to know life in its multidimensional aspects. Whatever field of work we pursue, those with open minds and hearts are ultimately led to the truth of our energy present and presence and the real reason a soul would come to experience a physical life and perhaps to choose when to leave it. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Dr. Joe Gallenberger will reveal how his contact with his brother Pete on the other side over two decades and how Pete, with the most loving assistance, has progressed in healing from his suicide and is exploring new options for his next life, showing how love can pierce any veil and that life is eternal. Dr. Gallenberger is a clinical psychologist, psychokinesis specialist, and manifestation workshop provider, and will describe the many tools for struggles with depression and grief that help one reach one's full potential for a joyful and productive life journey. Joe, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and a person, place, or event that may have alerted them or others to the interests or talents they had and uh, which may have influenced them later on in life, in, in their work and lifestyle. Uh, it seems to me we are born with a soul itinerary and a plan or destiny, and we find it one way or another. So think back for a minute. Well, Cheryl, one thing I remember significantly was probably at uh, around five, six years old, I began to have oneness experiences where I'd just be a point of consciousness, one with everything, and move into an ecstasy state. And uh, I didn't share that with anybody, uh, but being raised in a Catholic family, I began to study the lives of the Christian mystics and things like that, and even ended up at 14 going into a monastery for two years, figuring that's how I was going to express and search what I was uh, discovering. Uh, that didn't work out too well in terms of uh, things uh, to become a priest, but uh, it was an excellent experience to get me going with meditation, contemplation, etc. And uh, eventually... Uh, it helped me in my study of Eastern religions and then eventually to get a Ph.D. in psychology. Well, I also, like you as a child, was very sensitive 
and all I wanted to hear was the story of the patriarchs and Jesus and I cried a lot when I saw what suffering there was and like you it was just a beginning for us to discover religion and spirituality and psychology and philosophy and uh, literature and everything beautiful in life and good in life so we could work from a hard essence position and help ourselves and others. So I think that's a beautiful way you just described that story. Now let's fast forward to a sad time when your brother Pete died as a result of suicide. What did you at that time believe about life and death, and did that alter the course of your life, your work, or your beliefs? Well, I had um, been working for many years at that time uh, for Monroe Institute, which allows you to explore the... Bob Monroe was famous for out of body, but basically he developed a brainwave technology that allows people to meditate and access spirit very quickly and deeply without any need for any dogma particularly that to believe in and so I've been a, I've been a trainer there now 26 years uh, this was back a good ways but um, uh, my brother died probably 25 years ago um, and so I was already connected with spirit uh, I knew he had been sliding. He was a very uh, handsome, hardworking, intelligent, honest guy, but he wasn't able to find work, and he also had depression and quite a bit of physical pain from a car accident. Uh, and um, I, he lived with me in the last few years of his life uh, and then moved out to Vegas about six months before his death. And... Uh, so I was in good bit of contact with him. It still was a great shock, though, when I got the call from the police that he had uh, taken his life. Uh, but in that context of working with soul rescue work at Monroe Institute, etc., uh, I immediately attempted to hone in on him and have uh, friends and, and folks up at Monroe that I know do the same, and we were able to get contact quite quickly. You know, that's a fallacy. I was told by a medium once, I've had many teachers over the years, and I was told you should not contact, uh, you know, a soul has, that has just departed. They need time uh, to get used to their new environment. And one day I received a call from a student of mine, and her, her daughter had just lost her 19-year-old boyfriend, and the, both families, the family of the boy and my friend and student's uh, daughter was so distraught that I said okay I'll try and I did and I received mm. the most wonderful validating loving messages and the description of his journey uh, as he lifted up from his body and so I found that you can't listen to other people and what they tell you if if yeah, the call comes, if the call comes, yeah. you try your best uh, yeah. to do what's right, and so. And I think uh, you know, Cheryl, there's a high, high degree of variability after death for people. Some I would agree. Are, you know, are move immediately into great light and are able to consciously move around and communicate well. Other people do need a good rest, but 
in the Monroe system at least, what we affirm is love pierces any veil and that time is an illusion and so we can uh, go wherever we need to to meet at the ideal time, if you will, for them and us to communicate and the ideal level of radiation, if you will. So, um, well, what I learned from that that uh, episode was uh, to trust that when spirit asks me or anybody to do something, that we will have the help and assistance to do what's right for ourselves and yeah. for others. So uh, that was a good lesson for me. I mm-hmm. love the title of your book, Heaven is for Healing. And like the uh, title for this show, Healing from Within... It offers us a view, a perspective of our energetic soul existence, uh, which is actually the guiding force for life here and beyond. Uh, Why did you write Heaven is for Healing? I had written another book called Brothers Forever right after my brother's death, talking about sort of enlightened grieving and the devastation of suicide in the family and his immediate reactions there. But 20 years later, I realized he had sent me on a big journey uh, where my life's work actually began to be to help people learn how to create a much more positive reality here, manifestation work, if you will, and that psychokinesis you mentioned, the ability to affect matter with your energy. Uh, that could be bending metal or growing seeds in your hand in a few minutes. And I'm a scientist, so I'd studied this at universities and then... Uh, I actually used Las Vegas as a uh, teaching ground for this, and I've given 85 Inner Vegas Adventure workshops to help people see how their energy affects reality very quickly because the feedback there is very quick. So I realized that he had sent me on this two-decade journey into manifestation, and I had a curiosity. I wonder what he's been doing in those 20 years. So uh, Heaven is for Healing came about, by saying, okay, it's created these great changes in me. What has he been up to? And the other reason I felt this was important is we have a very heavy belief system around suicide in our culture. Uh, It used to be that the body was buried in unconsecrated grounds so demons could torture it. People's property was taken. It's still a felony in many countries. And so my dear brother Pete died. His mom, who loved him dearly, not only had that loss, but also had the vision that her dear child was going to be in hell for all eternity. And so I felt it was important to really take a look and see how accurate that might be and found instead that uh, everyone, regardless of the way one dies, is met with great love and compassion, and there is help available, and there's no everlasting help. Absolutely, yeah. We can have hellish thoughts and emotions here, Mm -hmm. uh, and we can have it on the other side some, but help is available both here and there. Absolutely. You know, I'd like to share something with you, because Mm -hmm. two years ago I lost my sister from pancreatic cancer. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, we're never, you know, you and I understand that this is not, the only reality we're multi-dimensional beings and there is life after life and it is eternal and we're energy beings but even knowing that dealing in the physical realm with the loss of a sibling is very very hard and she died from pancreatic cancer and in my new book 
that I'm completing called New Life Awaits, Creating Your Best Afterlife by Living Consciously Now. I relay her feelings and impressions in a reading I did many months after her passing. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I wrote this. Uh, when I interviewed Annie Kagan, who wrote The Afterlife of Billy Fingers on my internet radio show, Healing from Within, where she so beautifully and artistically expressed the value of every life, even those that another person may see as useless and wasted, as expressed to her from communication from her deceased brother Billy. I had no idea that before long my sister Adele would pass. As a medium, I received messages for my clients. I assumed that was the way spirit intended for me to use the gift of spiritual communication communication however i was told years ago that i could ask to speak to any soul energy anywhere alive or in spirit i never tried to contact my own family members as i felt that should they need to reach me they would eight months after adele's passing I decided to meditate and try to check in and see how she was relating to her new world. Unlike Billy, who reached out to his sister, I reached out to mine. And usually when I do a reading, I simply write down whatever is presented to me. It seems that the information is perfectly tailored to what the client needs. But with Riddell, I decided to ask her questions. When she was ill, I tried so hard to show her she was in for an amazing journey into forever and beyond, which was something Riddell was not able to believe in. I already knew that there is no death for our true life essence or soul survives physical death. Sadly, she did not. I soon felt her energy around me and sensed she was surrounded in a blanket of green glory and quietness but her heart still hurt. She had not wanted to depart, as her love of life was quite palpable, and her fight to stay alive was most courageous. I asked her who was there to meet her, and immediately I began to feel a pressure on my head and realized she was frightened. Her dad was calling to her to move forward. Riddell saw the Statue of Liberty, immense in size, and the face was very close to her face. The beams of light from the crown on the statue's head enlarged, and many people moved forward from the bright light to meet her, relatives, friends, and guides. Riddell felt free like the immigrants who had once come to our shores looking for a new life, filled with the hope that they would be welcomed. Tears started to fill my eyes as I realized how joyful she was to find this new world and see so many souls she loved they had agreed her there were many other messages but Riddell's final message showed me that she had found a new soul family and spirit and was helping others as it was the best way she had discovered to serve how beautiful I thought and yes. and I knew she was safe mm-hmm. and, and I didn't think I could read this today well you did a good job and this stuff we're talking about today is a very much of the heart and um, very much for people out there listening to know how passionate you and I are about the suffering and the sadness of loss but the truth 
and the reality of the afterlife, so to yeah, put it. I think you would agree with me, Cheryl. I don't know you well enough to know, but um, I had concern writing this book that in some way somebody might say to me, well, you're acting like suicide is okay. Um, again, from a religious thing, it's everlasting hell, but from more of a New Age thing, it'd be, oh, you got to do that life over again even harder. <clears throat> and I just don't find that, and yet suicide does remain something we, not to be recommended because of all the pain it causes of the family. And yeah. that you do take yourself with you, uh, your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotions. That yes, there is help there, and uh, you will, you know, get get healing. But uh, human life here is so precious um, that. Uh, Almost everybody I've talked to who commits suicide, when they get there, they <clears throat> are at least, least wistful, knowing what I know now, I wish I had stayed. Uh, and, of course, this covers vast areas. Somebody, terminal cancer pain, who just has a week to live and they're avoiding some pain, to um, an eight-year-old boy recently committed suicide after being bullied impulsively to people that have been in pain for decades. Um, and so, we, you know, we can't tar everybody with the same brush, if you will. No, of um, course. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the one thing, you know, I've found, too, is working as a therapist that very few people, maybe nobody, really understands their impact on other people, why they are here. I had uh, uh, bank tellers and grocery store clerks uh, send me letters from across the country how much he meant to them and yet when people are in this state of considering suicide they so distort reality that for example my wife's uh, boss committed suicide leaving three small children and I would guess his thoughts were uh, the world would be better off without me <clears throat> I don't have any positive reason to be here a positive impact and we, we mis misestimate that. We misjudge. Yes. So, it reminds uh, me of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You remember that, yes, that yes. movie? And he met his, mm -hmm. his, guard, his guardian <clears throat> angel, Clarence, who showed him. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Many of us don't realize how important we are in the chain of life and how interconnected we are to each other and how one person's uh, loss of one person uh, affects so many. It's, it is really true. Um, but and we I don't know what success is. You know, my brother, I think, came into this physical incarnation not believing in love and left knowing love was real. That's a great victory on a spiritual level, even though on a uh, here-now world level it could look like failure. Well, I think everything we do in this physical world is to advance and refine our spiritual energy. Of course, our physical life is so short, but our spiritual energy seems to be eternal and to go on. Uh, but tell us something more about um, the Monroe Institute. And I know you worked with a woman, Pam, who was yeah. a, um, a channeler, and uh, she... She she also shared a lot of information about your brother and other things about the other side. Uh, so tell us something about that. Sure. So, you know, I was having my own connections, but I uh, 
Pam is world world class uh, in terms of her clarity, and I had known her many years before my brother's death. <clears throat> so when I was went to write this latest book, Heaven is for Healing, uh, I scheduled four or five sessions with her, um, and Pete, with my brother, was eager as well as her guides to bring these these, these issues to the fore, and so we asked about um, what happens particularly for suicides uh, after death uh, and it seemed like there's many different elegant helping systems um, in the case of somebody in terminal cancer pain it might be just a, a one or two day dusting off if you will like um, using earth time format but for somebody coming over with great agony, uh, negativity, etc. They may even put the soul in kind of a coma-like state where they can work with the person unconsciously for a good while to lighten up their vibratory level and help them begin to heal some of this before bringing them more into the alert awake state where then they usually do go through being held with great compassion, a life review, if you will, particularly in suicide, seeing what would have been happening if they chose differently at various points in their life, what would have happened if they stayed uh, for the remaining of their physical life. And again, sometimes that creates um, feelings of regret, and so they're held with great compassion as they look over that. Um, then it seems that many people enter into almost a classroom-like setting if you're intellectual, maybe talking about the physics, if you will, of love and energy. If you're more emotionally based, um, there might be other ways. But for my brother, for example, we have to look at the miracle of the energy of the feminine and also the role of human emotion in human life experience and begin to understand them better. He also observed us here on Earth, his family, uh, to see how we handle things. And now, um, fast-forwarding 20 years later, he's now considering uh, reincarnating, if you will. But one thing that surprised me is they said many people who have had a real rough time here last time, uh, for them there is an option to have a simulated life, kind of like a lucid dream, very yeah. real to them, but not taking on a physical body. Um, because when you take on a physical body, it's even more challenging because your issues are coded into your very DNA of yourself and your family. So this, this simulation can happen where they can practice better responses, better thoughts, better behaviors uh, to some of their core issues. I and think that's, that's he, exciting and wonderful. Yeah. I haven't so heard that before. Leaning, I love that. He's leaning toward that, and he jokes and says, this is going to be my Olympic training, so when I come back next time, I can do this better. <laughs> I always say to people, tell me they won't come back. <laughs> you know, they might not have a choice. And the bravest souls choose to have this physical life. And they're, they're never alone. They're surrounded by guides and teachers, angels, if you will, who can help them if they just reach out and ask, simply ask. You know, when you were talking about your brother being in a coma like sleep, where healing work was done unconsciously, I kind of think my sister was describing that when she said she was in a blanket of green glory, 
Green is the color of the heart and healing. And um, yeah, and uh, she suffered. She suffered a lot. The first experiences this as a very comforting mist of some beautiful color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet uh, it allows the uh, uh, guides and helpers, angels, if you will, to begin to remove. And uh, they use the example of almost like cleaning house for them while yes. they're asleep. It was beautifully described, and um, and your brother and my sister were helped to let go of of the negativity and fear, perhaps anger they had at points in their life. And I mm-hmm. felt very comforted uh, hearing your story and and relating it to to what my sister said. Uh, but let's go on to. You you wrote something very beautiful. You were uh, visiting your parents after your brother's death, and you wrote a lovely poem on that plane ride home. May I read it? Sure. You're welcome to. I liked it so much. My father is a gentleman. My mother a sad angel. Well, they have lit my way as I open my heart to them tonight. A radiance warms my chest. It is a joy to treasure them and know they love me. But now we grow further. One last shell to crack before we go clear into deeper intimacy. It is time to stop sunning and fathering and mothering. We release to meet again as equals to see each other truly. We release 40-year patterns and find eternity. And that's what we've been talking about here. Past the physical comes the beauty of our eternal soul nature. And I want to thank you, Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, for sharing your valuable search into understanding the nuances, religiously and spiritually, of suicide prompted by the loss of your beloved brother, Pete. In order to learn more about suicide and how souls relate to their earthly issues on the other side in his book, Heaven is for Healing, go to Heaven is for Healing. The CD that complements this book is called Ocean Heart and guides people into healing a broken heart and establishing an ocean heart and is also available at this website. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have learned through information received by Dr. Gallenberger working with a channeler named Pam and messages received from her guide, as well as his own experiences with spirit during meditation, many truths about being accepted beyond life without retribution or ending up in hell, as some religions suggest, especially in cases of suicide. It is only those souls who have had such a deepened despair and dislike for love and for self that would hold in their disturbed psyche a vision of hell. It is the inner distaste for self that gives a soul a belief in eternal suffering. Soul life, both here and beyond, is a process of experiencing all emotions, challenges, fears, limitations, and then moving towards joy and happiness and to eventually triumph over the mundane. Learning to live with greater love for life, 
itself and universal energy or the divine is the purpose and goal of each physical life. Joe shares a great regard for the freedom God allows us, even though it results in great pain as well as pleasure. And he wrote, Still, and a compassionate intelligence could not bear this without there being a greater reality, a context in the infinity of time, or free of time, where a full peace and a dynamic harmony exist. It has always seemed to me that it was inelegant and insufficient that these two realities, one pain-filled and the other blissful, proceed one after another, like acts in a play, earth and then heaven. For me, the blissful reality has to be the greater eternal reality that is always present and always available to be perceived. In some way, physical matter and its suffering has to be as a dream in relation to fully awake, pure consciousness. Joe and I would have you know that an afterlife exists and that contact with loved ones who have died is possible. As souls, we are able to manifest and create many realities and possibilities and explore many emotions with our mind. Life in a body or without a body is simply generated by pure eternal energy, thought, love, and beauty of our unending experience with soul growth. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, author of The Living Spirit, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com to open further levels of awareness and consciousness available to all who seek to know the truth of life, death, rebirth, and freedom from fear or restriction. Listen to leaders in the field of science, spirituality, and metaphysics share with open-heartedness their faith in life and learning. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.